Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, April the 5th, 2022. It is the first Tuesday of the month. That means it's time for the first Tuesday fireside chat with two of my favorite people. Me, I'm not one of my favorite people. I'm not that egotistical. But me, John Willis from SOE Tactical Gear, And Nicole Awesome Sauce from Living Free in Tennessee. That's right. We are going to all three of us have what we're calling a fireside chat. We talk about the general state of affairs in the world. We're going to talk about things today like food shortages and a bunch of other things, why we choose certain uh, livestock, why we don't choose other certain livestock, what we're all doing to prepare for what's coming, how, well, some of the shortages we're looking at right now, How they relate to something like a Star Trek episode about a ship in a black hole. Make sense? No? It will when we get to it. I'll bring them on in just a moment. Uh, we'll be dropping into a live feed that we did today on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch and a bunch of other platforms. We're on like eight platforms at one time today. Uh, and we'll bring that all in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Backwoods Home Magazine. Uh, it's easy for me to recommend Backwoods Home because I've literally been a reader of Backwoods Home since 93, 1993 that is, and a subscriber since 1994. If you want to know how I know so much about all these different homestead topics, it's not where I got all of it, but a ton of it and a foundation of it came from reading Backwoods Home now for over two decades. If I remain a subscriber to a magazine for that long, there might be a reason that you should check it out. Learn more at BackwoodsHome.com. Next up today, Ridge Wallet. I've been carrying the Ridge Wallet since one of the reps reached out to me long ago, about four years now, and said, hey, we want to sponsor the show. And I said, I don't know if it's a good fit or not. They sent me some to try. I put one in my pocket. I took my billfold. I put it up on the bookshelf. And said, I can do anything for a month. I'm going to carry this thing for a month or two, and I've never gone back. It is a great minimalist tool. I love carrying my credit cards and my ID and all that, and knowing they're protected from identity theft by the titanium case so they can't be wanded with an $8 part you can get off eBay. I love that. I love the way it carries. I love the way it's made me more of a minimalist. And I love all the other stuff that's available at RidgeWallet.com. You want to know more? About Ridge Wallet, you know what to do. Check them out at RidgeWallet.com. And they do do a discount of 10% on everything on the website through the MSB if you're an MSB member. I also want to remind you guys, one of the ways you can help support us, do your online shopping where? You know where, tspaz.com. If you do your online shopping at tspaz.com, no matter what you buy, as long as you start your online shopping there, you will help us out and help fund the work that we do, including bringing the show to you five days a week, Monday through Friday. Today's item of the day is one of my favorite little products. It is made by a company called Outdoor Edge. And it is one of their knives. They make several different knives, but this one in particular is a three and a half inch razor light, R-A-Z-O-R-L-I-T-E, all one word, EDC. EDC, of course, for everyday carry. This has become my go-to, always sharp, replaceable, disposable blade knife. I recommended the Gerber EAB for years. For over 10 years, I recommended it. It's still a good little knife. Uh, but it uses a common, you know, razor blade style, like like for an exact, not an exacto knife, a, a razor knife. The ones that you push a little button comes out, it folds. It's okay. 
This is like a full-size little pocket knife, but the blade is always scalpel sharp, and when it doesn't sharp any, it ain't sharp anymore, you replace it. They're about a buck and change a blade uh, to replace them, and they're really easy to sharpen because they're not a super high-end steel, given that they're disposable. So I'll usually run mine across a sharpening steel, like I keep in the kitchen, four or five times before you kind of wear that you know, disposable blade out. So you get a lot of use out of one blade, and it's always scalpel sharp, especially when it comes to things like... Well, butchering a rogue chicken it works really great for that. It is the perfect little EDC knife. And I have to say, since I found it, I have gotten, I do not even recommend the Gerber knife anymore because it's such a better tool. I have a, a, a video in today's write-up on it. You want to check it out, go to tspaz.com, start your shopping there. You can find all my products listed in alpha, alphabetical order by category. And you can see the latest reviews as well just by clicking the link. says, see the latest reviews, and they'll come right to the top. The Outdoor Edge 3.5-inch Razor Light EDC. Since I've started recommending this, I have had tremendous numbers of people tell me, I found it before you recommended it, and I love it. And I've had a lot more people tell me, thank you for turning me on to it. It's become my EDC you know, liner lock folder uh, knife of choice. And like I said... Always, always, always as sharp as a scalpel. With that, let's go ahead and drop into the live feed with John and Nicole. Hey, guys, we're live. John, how much do you care about your Facebook account right now? Um, I've, I've used my Facebook account less and less and less. I have 700,000 on there, but when I when I put a video on, 20 people show up. Yeah. Yes. It, it, used to be, it used to be I would literally be on a treadmill. For 30 minutes, and I'd have 5,000 people on, but they've, they've just throttled it so far back. Yep. Okay, so it is our first Tuesday chat with Jack Spierko, John Willis, Nicole Sauce, and we decided we're going to talk about whatever we want to on these, and if you all want to get something in there, just put it in all caps in the comments, and we'll do our best to work it in. But the first thing I want to start out with today is, hey, Jack, how's that rooster of yours doing from out back with Jack? He's resting in my belly. He's gone. How was he? He was delicious. I have bloodlust for Cocovin now. I have a, another bantam rooster who, my mongrel chicken babies, he tried to literally kill one yesterday. And if my grandkids weren't like here and outside when I caught him doing it, I think he would have went to the knife himself. Y'all got him. I'm actually thinking about bringing full size birds back just to make Cocovin after eating him. Yeah. <laughs> what you need to do is convince your neighbor to raise chickens. So yeah. you can deal with the chickens and then you can have Cocovin because they may or may not want to eat the chickens. Hey, I was surprised at how much meat that little guy had on him. I, I recently had a, just an ugly looking bantam hen that like I didn't want her genetics anywhere near the rest of my birds. She was one of those frizzle-looking ones, but she had bare spots. Like, she had chicken alopecia or something. And so I killed her and fed her to the dog, and the dog, like, looked at me like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I, I cut it open and tried to de-breast it for him, and the pieces were so small. I'm like, I don't really want to kill any of these. But that little rooster, he had two big old fat breasts and good freaking leg quarters, and I threw his ass in the crock pot with some wine and chicken stock and oyster mushrooms and thyme and salt. Hey, Aaron wants to know if we planned our shirts. I didn't even realize we were wearing the same shirt until she said something about it. <laughs> no, I literally reached into the drawer and I picked out an SOE shirt without looking at what it was and put it on today. Yeah, I usually put mine in on in the dark. Yeah, 
Okay, well, let's go here. John says, please remind people this food shortage are probably six months out. Plant your gardens. I think that what you're feeling today is from six months ago. So all the crazy shit going on right now, if you think there's some crazy shit right now, you are in for a rude awakening in the next six to 12 months. Everything's about to be amplified. Yep. I did a podcast yesterday about how to have a a pantry that works for you that refers to several of Jack's episodes. It refers to one of John's videos he recently did instead of panic prepping because just going out and buying a bunch of shit you don't like or don't eat or may not use is not super helpful right now. But even now you can have food stores, especially if you have dollars to spend on it fairly quickly by just spending a little time thinking about it. And yeah, sure, grow food. I'm all about um, the perpetual motion machine like a dippy duck. Use the garlic, grow the garlic. Use the garlic, grow the garlic, right? I, I am completely self-sufficient in garlic at my place. We do not run out. If we run out, I go dig more. It's up there, growing like a giant shrub. What are your thoughts on it, Jack? Yeah, I actually, I had this on my... Uh docket for Friday to talk about this, the way I'm looking at everything right now, like shortages of everything is like a sci-fi thing where you see the ship and the ship doesn't know it's actually caught in the the rim of the black hole and it's all in slow motion, but it's already happened in reality. Like the ship is going to go into the black hole if you don't do something. And even though it's happening incredibly slowly, it's happening. That's, that's the supply chain right now. Like, it is, it is absolutely going to be worse before it bottoms out and gets better. Um, and what does better mean? Now, I don't think people will end up eating their dogs during this or something like that, but things are going to get expensive and lean as shit going through this. And it's actually really still easy to keep bringing new food in. And like you said, you build up, and then you eat something, you buy something. You eat something, you buy something. Or you eat something, you gather something. You eat something, you kill something. Or two, like John's saying, right? Like, whatever, replace what you're consuming as you consume it, and you literally will never run out of storage unless you stop being able to procure more. And the funny thing is, and I've talked about this for years, when you have a shitload of food stored and there's a shortage – you realize there's still a lot of shit you can find and you don't panic and you don't do stupid shit like buy dog food to eat or something like that or ramen noodles by the case. Cat Where food. if you are out of food or close to out of food when a shortage hits, that's when you go plum loco and it ends up being a lot harder to find replacement food than if you're calm and rational and think. And like I said, there's always ways around. Use restaurant stores like webstaurant.com. People ask me during the COVID's build up, like, where do I get grain? I'm like, homebrew store, feed store. Like, grain is grain, man, if you really want it. Co-op. Co-op, yep. whatever. You know, stop thinking all the food comes from Honeyville.com and the, and the grocery store. So there's a lot of people saying that they work at, you know, Winn-Dixie or uh, Walmart or whatever. And if you look at Walmart, Walmart is chock full of stuff, but not the stuff you want. Like, they already have Christmas decorations out. They've got... Easter shit. And what's happening is what they're saying, they're, all these people are saying, I work at Walmart. The shipping containers are now getting unloaded. They're coming off the ships. So it's all the stuff they couldn't get for the last 12, 18 months now coming in. And Walmart doesn't have stuff that should be on the shelves. So they're filling it with more of the same shit. So you'll have propane in the camping section, but you'll also have it over by the food section. So you'll have multiples just to fill the gaps. Yeah, they don't like... The look of empty shelves in those stores. And I think what people need to realize about this, too, is 
This isn't all about China and shipping in, and this isn't all about Russia and that bullshit, because shit that's short is stuff we, we, we produce right here in America. Yeah. Like, like it was hard a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to make some ranch waters and some margaritas just to get fucking limes. Limes do not come from Russia, and they do not come from China. They come from Florida and California. Where are the and they're lines? in season right now, aren't they? And they're in season. And like the ones we got, they were like half like white, like there was no juice in them until the ones like a week later, we got some decent ones, right? And I know that's not a tragedy, the tragedy of the line. Poor Jack can't have lime with his fake tequila, <laughs> but it's indicative of a larger problem. When I used to go to Costco, if I wanted to, you know, throw some more chicken in the freezer and buy organic chicken, it was real easy to find thighs with bone and skin, which I always buy because the skin is a product, the meat is a product, the bone is stock, right? That all you can get now, it costs twice as much as the boneless, skinless. Now, where the hell does skin and bone go? I don't know. Maybe they're making dog food out of it. Who knows? But it's not there. And we grow chickens out the ass in the United States. So where is all the stuff? Well, they're kill- they're killing a lot of chickens. I mean, that seem that seems to be a real thing. They're going around and killing a lot of chickens. I watched a video. Um, Yanasa Ventures or Yana and Masa Ventures, he had a, uh, a farmer on and the farmer said that we produce so little food in the United States that within the next 10 years, you probably will not see vegetable production in the United States consumed in the United States. He said an example he gave was five years ago, we had 35,000 acres producing uh, asparagus. And he said, we're under a thousand acres in the United States right now. I didn't verify any of this stuff, but he seemed like he knew what he was talking about. He said he was talking about bringing in migrant visa workers to pick, and he said that he has to give a 401K to any of his uh, crop pickers. And he said, you know, we used to use child labor. We would use, like he, even in this town here, we have something called Strawberry Days, and they would let all the kids out of school to pick strawberries. And he said it's just so insane now to use any kids in the field that it's almost impossible to even do. It's cheaper to bring them in from outside of the United States. And he says, you know, we don't pay them $10, $15 like you think we do. We're paying them $35 mm-hmm. to, to come in. And he said they come in in big groups. So it'll be a 100 dudes that come in every year for his Brussels sprouts or every year for his lettuces. And he said when they have a problem with one or two people, they hold the whole bunch up. They bring them in as a batch. And he says, so if it takes two weeks, three weeks, four weeks at the border to get their paperwork sorted out, he says, we pay to put them up and feed them while that's there. He said it is just they're literally it's cheaper. It's insane that it's cheaper to bring produce from other countries to put on our shelves than it is to produce them in our own country. So then if you want some stability in your world, make a relationship with somebody local who's growing vegetables if you're not. Because if you keep them growing the vegetables locally on a smaller scale, you don't care. Yeah, I mean, asparagus in particular, one of the easiest things you can grow, and you should grow it on your homestead. You plant it once, and you harvest it in the second year, and you harvest it forever, and you get more every year if you manage it. Um, That's actually really indicative of a problem, because when you look at a crop, once you get into that second year of production, asparagus is a very high-dollar cash crop for the market mm-hmm. gardener. To see that production crash, you got to wonder how many peppers are being grown or whatever. And this problem John just hit on is something we've been dealing with with industry in America forever. People think it's about wages. 
You know, that's why we make everything in China. That's why we make everything in Japan and whatever. Japan has very high wages. It is the co- the total cost of doing business in this country, not just the wage. So, you know, I'm not for government health care, but one thing you do have if you have a business in a country that has government health care, as an employer, I don't have to worry about it. I don't pay for it. So right there, I'm not competing with you on that. Additionally, like if if you're doing business in China, they don't give a shit what you put on a field. They don't care how much pollution you cause. Same with Mexico. They don't give a damn. And they don't care how you treat your employees. And I'm not saying that's okay. I'm saying that that's why that decision comes down to I can either grow the peppers in the United States or import them from Baja, California, and I can do the import for less than growing them here. Business decision. Boom. Until that supply chain gets disrupted, and now we got a problem. Yeah. But that's true in the automotive industry. That's true across the board. This is what's been gutting American industry forever. And I'm not saying we should like enact child slave, you know, like reenact child slave labor or something, but we've got so many regs, so many stupid environmental regs that people don't even realize about, let's say, the drainage around a building. Or if I'm a company in America and I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to restore urban Chicago. Look at that big fucking warehouse over there. Or or northeastern United States like in Connecticut where all this hydroelectric power from the turn of the century is still sitting there waiting to be turned back on. Everything's there. I want to restore that building. Okay, here's your fucking stack of permits you got to go through before you can reopen that building. Yeah. And, and so that overhead burden has killed us for years, and now you put COVID on it and you put a retard in the White House. I'm sorry, but that's what we got. And you got an administration purposefully destroying the country. We're so fucked, guys. We're so fucked. Bam and Dad, it's because they are intentionally destroying yeah. our production. It's, it, it's by design. I think the other thing people should play with is thinking about if I can't get this exact brand of dog food or whatever the thing is, do I care and what can I use instead? Like play the what if game, the what can I use? If you think about it now, when it's not happening, you're not going to be like, blah, they're out of broccoli. What do I do? I'm going to die, <laughs> right? Because you're not going to die. You're going to eat kale yeah. or something else or just have a steak with no broccoli. It's actually quite delightful that way, you know, um, but If you think about it, not panicked, then you don't end up in the situation where you just go out and buy a bunch of ramen as a just-in-case thing if you don't eat ramen. Yeah, somebody says here, Slim says, feed your dog scraps. They're meat eaters. Yeah. I feed feed my dogs freezer-burned whole chickens, and I feed my dogs whole rabbits. We We don't even slice their bellies anymore. They literally eat whole rabbits. I've got a female. She eats the rabbit and leaves all the lucky rabbit's feet, and the other two dogs eat the entire thing. And I was out there yesterday playing with him, and he had a giant possum from somewhere he was eating. So when things yeah. get really bad, we'll we'll feed them the trespassers. <laughs> I thought that's what pigs were for. I, I, I fed to. my dog Billy Roy's feet as a treat on Sunday. Yeah. He liked them. But if you feed rooster feet to your dogs, make sure you cut the spurs off. Oh. Because it's not the spur on the outside. It's the bone inside. It's interesting to pull that cap off a spur and see what's behind there. It's a really sharp-looking hunk of bone. So cut the spur off, and they like feet. My grandmother would have skinned me because she used to yell all the time to come back from the market and go, they don't give you the foot no more with the chicken. And I'm like, so what? You can't make chicken soup without the feet. It can't be done. And she was convinced the butcher at the, the grocery store was screwing her over, and he had a bucket of feet somewhere, and he was 
hiding away or something. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> it's where all the gelatin is. Okay, here's I'm one. Right, <laughs> Elon Musk now owns nine percent of Twitter and is joining their board of directors. Oh my god! What do you think about that? I like that they're up in arms over it. I like <laughs> people are triggered. I'll give you that, but I think it means nothing. I've been on boards before, and I've been owners in company. If you don't have enough people with you to have fifty-one percent control, you don't mean shit. By making him board of directors, he signed a contract in there that he cannot procure any more of the shares. So he is locked where he is for the next 24 months. And 90 days after the 24 months expires, he can start buying more shares, should that be the case. And they huh. wrote it in that nobody he is sits, he can't sit on any boards of any companies that also absorb any more of the shares. Can he give me money and let me do it and vote with him? Uh, yeah, that, uh, they wrote that in there. No, he can't if he, that would be a crime. But what if I borrow the money at 0% interest? Yeah, yeah. There's always a way. I just I don't think he truly think he is is my bigger thing. I don't I I really know. So I said that today too. I said, you know, he's part of that IMF thing and everything. And who I was talking to pointed out, well, so was Putin. Now they've kicked him out of it as of you know thirty, sixty days ago. But Putin was there also. So maybe there's still hope. Um but you know, he, he, we'll see if he lets Trump back on. We'll see if he puts Babylon B back on. I mean, he said a lot of things. We'll, I guess we're about to find out. Well, they promised us an edit button, right? So he says we're getting an edit button back. And I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. How about lifting my fucking shadow ban, dude? That, that would matter to me, right? How about, like you said, put what, B, what Babylon if you typo B back out, on. Jack? What's that? What if you typo out, man? Typo out? Yeah, you typo your tweet. What's the what's the edit button? So I don't use Twitter. I have yeah. my Twitter only populates if I post to Facebook. It yeah. puts it on Twitter. So I've never used Twitter. Okay. So what does that mean? That people can now go and delete their previous post, or they can edit it to make Change it look it. like they, I, so like I, when I shared this today. I edited my TSP live page and I just cut and paste from there, and I forgot to change the date, and it said the fourth instead of the fifth. So when I dropped that on the Twitter to fix it, I had to delete it and redo it. There's no option to say, hey, I fucked that up. I want to change what I said. Um, some platforms have got around because that's a whole, well, did you really say this or did you change it and alter it? They give you, you know, five minutes to edit or something like that. And Twitter had it back in like 07, and then they took it away. But I guess I'm saying it's like a virtue signaling thing. Like, hey, look, I'm on the board. I'm going to get something done. I'm going to give you an edit button. Like, like that's the fucking problem with Twitter or something. I don't know. I just I want to I want to like the guy. He says some things I really like sometimes, but I also look at him and go, he's a transhumanist and he can't be trusted. I'm sorry. If you think it's a good idea to start putting fucking cybernetics into people's fucking brains and have systems where you can actually control what people think and do, I don't really think you're one of us. Well, that's Klaus Schwab's. That's his right-hand man. He's got all kinds of books written on, and he's saying already, we can program humans. We can hack humans. We can, we can decide which humans live and we can decide when humans die. Like, like just, I just listened to something where he was speaking and he literally said those words. Yeah. People need to read Illuminatus trilogy by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson. Um, it's old, so it's all the older conspiracy theories all wrapped in, built around reality and total like sci-fi fantasy. 
But what you really gain from it is all these opposing forces are actually having their strings pulled at the top. And the, and the more powerful and the more in control somebody looks that's public, the more they're actually controlled in what they're doing by somebody behind the curtain, even if they don't know it, even if they think that they're doing their own thing. It's just since I know this guy, I know this guy's quantity, I know what he's weak on, what he's strong on, who he can influence, then I know how to balance him with this other motherfucker over here. And I know how to move the whole agenda forward because you've got to move the giant forward with a left foot, right foot march, right? And I just see him as he's just part of it. He's one of the upper echelons in the in the competing groups, but he's still moving things in the wrong direction as far as I'm concerned. And that doesn't mean you might not get some more free speech on Twitter. Who the hell knows? Maybe they'll do that to make him look more effective. Who the fuck knows? But don't think like this is a new day dawning because Elon Musk owns 9% of a company. That's... Well, the other question is, how would more free speech serve the agenda? The illusion of free speech would really serve the agenda now, wouldn't it? Right. That's the question right. to ask. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to get, I don't know where my tinfoil hat is, but, you know. Well, what if you out. want a totalitarian right wing guy in the White House next? What, maybe you would just fuck everything up so bad people would scream for one. Right. Maybe you would, you know, give people jobs as generals in the military because they're transgendered. Maybe you would cut off imports of oil and gas from one of our leading trade partners for that sector. Maybe you would totally demolish the entire economy. Maybe you would completely squash free. Maybe you would just fuck everything up so bad that people would scream for that strong man. And maybe you really want to enact that from the right because the right can do things the left can never get away with. So maybe you that would be? do that. I don't. That sounds crazy, but maybe that you would. Totally sounds crazy. <laughs> Who will that be? Who will that be? I, I, I hate saying it. Right now, it looks like Trump 2.0, right? It looks like Trump returns. And um, oh, but man. it also like if I had to bet on who your next president was, if you take Trump out, which God, I kind of hope happens, it's DeSantis. It's Ron DeSantis, and there's a lot to like about DeSantis, but. That's because you see only the part you're looking at. You don't see the foreign policy of Ron DeSantis, right? You know, <laughs> you know. I, I got to admit, I got a big smile when he told those kids, "Take those masks off. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. We have to stop this." I like seeing that, but it doesn't mean you're going to get a total package you really want. In fact, you are unlikely to. It just, there, nobody gets that far in politics without making it so you're unlikely to. Well, Joseph here says DeSantis is good as Florida, good for Florida. He should stay in Florida. That sounds like Bush. Bush Jr. was good for Texas. He was a great governor. <laughs> you know, governors only have so much power to fuck so much stuff up, right? They they only get to deal with their state. But when you let somebody start deciding what your military does and what countries your your government does and doesn't do business with, you have a whole new level of screw shit up. Yep. Well, when they want to when they want to go to war, what does that man cost when he says no, we're not going to war? What do they what do they hold over him, or what do they pay him to weave that story? I mean, it's always been weapons of mass destruction, and I mean that you're 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 watching it play out right now, right? We're gonna we're we're gonna go to war over this shit right now in Ukraine, maybe, but the politicians who send your kids to war none of their kids go to war the the rules and regulations they pass only affects you but it never affects them they're above the law right so 
you know, what would DeSantis cost? If you think DeSantis wouldn't wouldn't have us in a war, what what's his price? I mean, because oh, it's it always, you don't happens. have to buy them. You don't have to buy them. All you have to do is orchestrate an attack on the United States that mandates a response. Yeah, like that's I all you know, have to do. Crashing like, planes into twin towers. Like, let's say if you wanted Trump to launch cruise missiles into Syria. You would just take a gas attack by terrorists that happened in a village over here, take video of it, and say it happened in Damascus, and say that Assad, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, God, the guy that runs Syria, uh, you know who I mean, um, dude's been reelected like 87 times, but he's supposedly a dictator. I don't know why his name just went out of my head, but the uh, president of Syria did it, and that it was. Uh, Whatever the hell they said it was, it was actually a chlorine gas attack, and they said it was sarin or some shit. And people are walking around with, you know, N95s on, and if you try to do that with sarin, you're dead as fuck. Um, and and you know, then you would all of a sudden you'd have the cruise missiles going off of the freaking, uh, you know, aircraft carrier, and you'd have an NBC anchor going, "It is kind of beautiful in its way," even though he hates Trump. Like if uh, that's what you might do, I, I don't know, you know. You know, I think to be fair to Trump, I think he probably made a call to Putin and said, I got to b- blow some shit up. What do I blow up? He blow mm-hmm. this airfield up. Nobody will be there. That's what happened there. But if you want to get engagement, you just create an attack that requires a response for optics and you let it go from there. And if it's not enough, you make another one. Because we've already determined that people will believe whatever the fuck they're told. Yeah. If somebody been- told you right now, Putin has his troops going into Ukraine finding babies, setting them on fire, and launching them with catapults into hospitals, motherfuckers would be tweeting that shit tomorrow morning. Yeah. The and claiming they were there and they saw it, by the way. Up in arms. Claiming well, a, they were there and they saw it. You have a you have a big riling up right now over these this this mass genocide that just happened, right? But when questioned, where where's that satellite footage, right? Don't we have satellites don't they have cameras over there? Where's the cell phone footage of that happening? Because you know somebody that would have been involved in that was documenting that shit. Yeah. They can they can get right in my phone and know what photos I have and where I've been and who I was with. I'll say something on my phone, and because we were on this live feed, the shit I'm looking up today will show up on your phones as targeted ads. But you're telling yeah. me nobody saw any of this shit happen? Yeah, bullshit. Well, here's my other thing, too. So, so Putin's bombing the hell out of Kiev, right? He's bombing hospitals and orphanages for no strategic reason, just because he's a war criminal. Then why the fuck do I have correspondence at 2 o'clock in the morning with all the goddamn lights on in downtown Kiev, standing on top of fucking buildings, reporting from downtown Kiev? Does this make, this makes no sense to me at all. I'm not on Putin's side here, but clearly there's restraint being exercised by the Russians in what they hit and what they don't hit and how they hit in Ukraine. Clearly there is, because you can't tell me if the Russian army wanted to turn every city in the Ukraine into absolutely nothing, they couldn't do it in 48 hours. You can't tell me that. I'm not saying they should or they, you know, I'm not weighing in on an opinion on right and wrong here. I'm just saying the physical capability to do it exists. And if you don't believe it does, you are in denial of all reality. From distance, without even being without, on the yeah. without one troop, without an airplane, it's just all rockets and missiles, and they could and no nuclear. They could level the whole place in 48 hours, and they haven't. So something's at play there. Is Putin part of the plan? I don't know. Is he a, you know? Because all of the the the, the complete nut whack jobs 
on uh, on Gab like they think he's working with the Orange Man and they're actually against the New World Order and all. And to me, politicians, politicians are politicians. They're all freaking agents of the state and the state is force and the state is anti-liberty. I don't trust anybody, but there's there, what you're being told and what's happening are not the same thing. And so if they're got, not for the New World Order, they're for a New World a Order. A New World Order, yeah. doesn't matter which one. So I have a completely different topic. Okay. On your, I watched your, your, your hydro system yesterday. I watched all the, your water stuff. When you fill up, and I heard later in the video that you, you're on wells, city yeah. water. So evaporation, how much evaporation do you get out of that system, and how often do you have to add water to that system? This time of year, I don't have to add a lot of water. We don't have much evaporation. And we have enough rain, and the way it's designed, the roof sheds so much water into the back tanks. And you always have to think of water as hard catchment. 100% of what hits water stays in it, right? During the summer, I have to do quite a bit, but that's even mitigated because then they've got top vegetation shading everything. But I'm on a well. I don't have city water, so I just throw the hose in and turn it on. If you're on city water, it's a different scenario depending Does your city treat with chlorine or chloramine? If they treat with chlorine, you can literally get a few IBCs, paint them black so it doesn't go green on you, put it in there, leave some venting so that it'll off-gas, and in 48 hours you can use that water. You don't have to do anything to it. If it has chloramine, it has to be chemically treated with stuff you would buy at an aquarium store, and it can get expensive on that volume. So rain catch would be your alternative if Mm -hmm. you're on city water. So my system's 1,800 gallons. I use a small pump, and I pump out of my system to water all my raised beds. Okay. Once once a week, every other week, I will fill with the hose. We're chlorine. Okay. And my, my thing is we're not ever sucking down more than 10% of the system. Fine. And I have four huge air stones in each IBC tote that's bubbling, so it's off-gassing even quicker. Yeah, yeah. If you are replacing less than 10%, in a large system with chlorine, you're not going to kill fish. Um, something real popular in the aquarium industry is called continuous drip. And that's where you put all your fish tanks on a level or two levels. So they have common drains and you literally have a faucet sending like one drip per second into your entire system of tanks. This way you don't have to do water changes. And then you have the last tank in the level overflowing down your drain. Got and when people started doing that, they had all these sophisticated chlorine removal systems and all. And, you know, people thought, well, can I eliminate that? And if you had chloramine, the answer was no. And if the answer, if you had chlorine, the answer was yes, because at that rate, there's enough oxygen air exchange. And everybody that runs fish tanks, like you said, you're running bubbles, agitation, oxygen. You're going to increase that. Um, I just like, you know, if you have the issue I, and you want to really be sure, you know, plumb together. 10 freaking IBCs. Get them as cheap as you can, 250 to 300 gallons a piece. So you're like 2,500 to 3,000 gallons of reserve water. It's good anyway. And it's it's going to off-gas even faster that way for you with what you're replacing. So we have seven IBCs in the system plus a 55-gallon particle separator. So add that into it. But, I mean, prior to that, for 25 years, I gardened with a gardening hose coming off city water anyways. And we it ain't going to fuck your garden up. We're ta- I'm talking about killing fish here. So, yeah. so we just did a, a water change. We dumped 275 out of each tote, filled it up with hose water, turned the system off. The fish were secluded in a, in a 275 with four bubblers. None of it was moving around. And then we let that water run for a few days. We put the fish in the clean water, and then we dumped that one out, and now it's all back running. Hmm. 
So, I mean, we, we, like, we thought we had lost fish. We had the, we had the IBC totes freeze into solid ice cubes a couple of years ago. You could put your hand down the side. They were so frozen. So we, we assumed the fish were dead. They didn't come up and eat for weeks once it defrosted. We put new fish in and come to find out we have twice as many fish now. Those suckers yeah. were still alive. We're just yeah. using rainbow. We're using butterfly koi. If you have, especially koi and goldfish, if you have a foot of water that's not frozen, they'll be fine. I have a tank that has just goldfish in it in my aviary. It's 11 inches deep. Last year, we had that super freeze. Every fish in that tank lived. Now, it's in the ground, but it's still only 11 inches of depth. There's a huge thermal reservoir in the ground. And most, not all of the United States, most of the United States, if you're going in the ground, you will never freeze ice cubes solid to the bottom at two feet. Now, you move below like six. You move in a zone four and maybe five, but definitely four and three. Now, you got to be more like three and a half, four foot. But Ben Falk is in like four, but borderline three in like the hellacious frozen mountains of Vermont. And he has ponds that are five foot deep and fish overwinter every year. Now, they're bigger ponds, but still, you're only five foot of depth. Right. Those fathead minnows you were talking about, you can get a thousand of them off Amazon. Yeah. Um, Toledo Goldfish. Yeah. I think it's the people that sell yep. them. Yeah. They're That's badass, too. You can buy from them. They're a little expensive, but you won't get a bag full of dead shit. You will get good animals from them. We've used them four times. Yeah. And I would say if you can get your minnows locally, like if you can like acquire them, like mostly I don't grow fatheads anymore because they eventually all get eaten and they don't breed real well in my system. Gambrusia, which are mosquito fish, they breed like crazy because they're live bearers. Guppies. So they don't lay eggs. They keep dropping them. They're exactly like a guppy. In fact, the females look like a female native guppy. Um, the females get really big. But if you look around, you'll probably find park ponds and stuff, have them in them, because, like, all the cities and stuff, throw them in there. And now is the time to get them. It's a weird cycle with them. They explode in population. And you literally think they're almost gone by August to September. And it'll be just a few females and males that will overwinter, and then they'll explode again next season. Well, I learned the hard way last year that you need to have a quarantine tank before you throw them in your pond or your sump because I brought ick into the system and uh, I'm still losing fish. Yeah. In that system. So now, now I have an aquarium inside for the fish. Yeah. They, they go in. The thing about ick is it's in every body of water. It's in every fish tank. It's everywhere. Yeah. There's something wrong with the fish or you have such a high population of ick when it begins to infect your fish. Because if you are in a giant stream or pond or something like that, the ick, it just kind of flows by. There's a very short life cycle where, or right. part of the life cycle where the ick can infect the fish. And the warmer the water, the shorter that life cycle is. So what you want to do when you're dealing with ick, raise your temperature of your water, if you can, as high as you can, and add salt. And that shortens the interim right. phase and then you will eventually clear it. And then what's going to get really decimated by ick is any of your skin fish. Like I do a lot of catfish, catfish get fucking murdered by it. Bluegills will swim around with it. They'll eventually clear it. They're fine. Mm-hmm. Fungus is what got me a couple of years ago. And fungus sucks. Yeah. Where they have like an air drilling on them and shit. That is bad juju, man. Margaret is Toledo goldfish on Amazon. Just if you look up fish on Amazon, 
they're going to come up. Yeah. They're, the, they're yeah. the most prominent people on there. Yeah. And, and your fish will be alive. Are, somebody said, are any of these fish for human consumption? Mine are, mine are goldfish. We just grow them, like Jack said, so we can sell them to yuppies in, in Nashville with ponds in their backyards. Um, yep. Jack, Jack eats some of his catfish. I just have goldfish because I literally just have the fish for the poop and the pee just to, just to fertilize the water. And it's hard to kill goldfish. And John's doing more classic aquaponics. I'm doing more ponds, right? Like John has a huge pond I can't put in here, but I mean, even my ponds that I'm growing vegetation out of, they're like my smallest one's 1800 gallons. That's not the system size. That's the pond. Like the system size is probably 3000 gallons. And I grow bullheads in there. Yeah. And I, you know, we decide we want fish tacos tonight or something. I go out with a, a rod and a, some worms and pull a few right out of the pond and we eat them. Yeah. We do, we do catfish, we do bullheads and channel cats and we do uh, like bluegills. Those are the ones we eat. But I, like John, I grow a lot of koi and goldfish. And when you get a really pretty big one, you know, koi, you could sell for a couple hundred bucks sometimes. Goldfish, Asian heirloom carp on freaking Craigslist and you can sell an Asian heirloom carp for $50. Which was a 10-cent feeder fish. Yeah, with a 10-cent feeder fish. Like, all you got to do, you go into, like, Petco and PetSmart and all those, and we don't do any color selection with the feeders. And you're like, hey, here's five bucks. Make sure everyone you give me has pattern or, you know, different colors on it, and they'll do it. Because it's all at the discretion of the person netting them. I just tell them. Let me net them. (laughs) I tell them, give me all of them, and then you won't have to pull them out again until next week. Let me have all of them. Oh, there you go. So I can you feed your ducks Rosie. any kind of minnow? I did that with Rosie Reds one time. I'm like, I'll take them all. And the guy's like, <sighs> which are Rosie Reds, by the way, pink fathead minnows. Yeah. And like, they use them for feeders in this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take them all. He looks at it, he goes, would you say that's 75 in there? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was like 300, 400 of them. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And like, he just netted them all out and gave them all to me. And I fed them to my bluegills. It's, it's cool to keep some in a place where you can really see them because it's, it's cool to watch like these rosy red swimming by and these bull, these bluegills. They just sit there and they barely move. And just when they, they don't chase them, they just wait and they just disappear. It's just cool. cool. That's the fun of pond life. So can you feed your ducks any type of minnow? Feed your ducks any, they'll eat them all. If they will eat it. <laughs> they will eat them all. You just, you probably don't want to be dipping minnows to feed your, your ducks, but. Um, I had rosy reds in my aviary pond and then somebody left the door open and a couple of the ducks found their way in there and it was literally like, Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. And I went from like 500 of them to like five in, in one day. So they'll definitely eat them. Didn't you have a bunch of frogs in there? Did they get the frogs too? They didn't get the frogs. I had a ton of, uh, spring peepers. But they're small enough. I think they like, they, they somehow like a couple parents got in and laid tadpoles and eggs. And then when the babies like erupted, they're so tiny they can just go through the hardware cloth and they just kind of all disappeared. Oh no! But no, they'll come back. You know, they'll. We're behind this year though on everything: fruit, uh, leaf yeah. out, flooding, because we got so little rain and we had much harder winter. So like I was looking at videos last week of this time two years ago, and like. There was fruit on everywhere. There was nuts on everywhere. There was wild garlic everywhere. And, like, we're, like, a month, I'd say, behind every other year we've had this year. It's a weird year. Yeah, it's the so, same in Tennessee. Like, the my fruit trees are just now putting blossoms on. 
Isn't that good for the food supply shit we were talking about earlier? Isn't that great? Don't you think everybody's probably behind if you are and I am and yeah. we're like 900 miles apart or some shit? So this year and last year, we warmed up and all the fruit trees put on blossoms and then it froze. So they yeah. lost all the blossoms. Totally yeah. happening again this year. Yeah. That's so Saturday that. night. You're going to freeze? Probably. See, we're not. I think that it might actually end up being good for me. Yeah. Because that's usually what happens. Like, my shit blossoms in February. And then we'll get, like, a not just a little freeze, like a hard-ass, like, 14 degrees. And you go out and you go, I wonder if any of these blossoms are going to make it. And they're literally, like, they're <laughs> crunchy. And you're like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's so far. <laughs> yeah, I have this one peach tree. That my neighbor gave to me. I don't know what kind it is. He just called it an old-timey peach tree Old that was coming up in his yard. Don't know if that's a variety. And it blossoms later than all my other peach trees. And it's the only one that's given me one peach. I've only managed to successfully have one peach one on my peach. property in 15 years. Yeah. It came from that tree. So. I'm, I'm pretty much like fruit. I get what I get. And I, I don't really focus hardly hard on it anymore. I, except I grow weird fruits that don't care. Like Cornelian yeah. cherries and uh, Hanson's bush cherry and stuff like that. And I grow all that stuff to make mead. Yep. So figs do great here. We we have two that have been amazing every year. So we just put we put six more figs in yesterday. We put six more blueberries in that came off of somebody else's property. They wanted them removed, and they're they're taller than I am. They're the oh, biggest wow. on the entire. Bush. And then we've got thirty holes in place right now. And we've got 20 trees out front. So we're just about to drop in apples and peaches and more cherries. Do your figs freeze to the ground every year and then grow back? Is that They did. The first year and the second year they did to the point where I'm like, oh, these things are done. And I'm hopping it down with a mower. And I'm like, I'm just going to mow over these. And I saw a little piece come up. And ever since, every year they get bigger and bigger. And now they don't break down to the ground anymore. He has a nice big hedge here. And then we just put in we just put in Chicago figs, which are supposed to be way more cold hardy, and they produce a fig about the size of a golf ball. Yeah, mine I've not gotten to where they don't freeze, but they're uh, first year production figs, and so I get figs every year. Just don't get a ton of them, but this year, none of the figs died to the ground for the first time, and I think it's been harder for me, even though I'm warmer. Because my soil is so shallow, so the roots are less protected. And even though they survive, the, the, it, it's, it's always top killed. But this year, every fig that's made it is growing from above ground. So maybe we'll do better this year. I've heard of people, like, mulching them and all, and I just yeah. don't have time for that shit. I just More don't. wood mulch. And we do. Yeah. We run that whole strip down there on the, on the approach on the way in. We had it in yeah. 20 inches of wood chips two years ago. And you no, still I don't mean that way. I mean, like, people will take, like, a wire mesh and Got put it, it around it. So you do your banana, banana bushes here. cover it above ground in straw so that it keeps the frost off of the wood. Oh. And I, I I know a guy that, that did that in Pennsylvania. He's got, like, 75 varieties of figs in freaking Pennsylvania that survive. But he, every single one of them gets covered up every year. And I, I guess if you're the fig dude, you can do that. If you're doing other shit, I, I don't have time for that. I just want an enormous glass metal greenhouse big enough that parrots can fly around in there <laughs> and the trees and have coffee plants and shit. Yeah. I've wanted to do coffee in Texas, coffee and, uh, coffee and vanilla. Yeah. And then yeah. I still might someday do coffee, but I saw what motherfuckers have to do to manually pollinate vanilla and it ain't happening. 
It's like, <laughs> like, like a neurosurgeon's eyes. And you see these women in like Madagascar and all, because the, the bug that actually does it is they killed it. It's not there anymore. And they manually pollinate the vanilla orchids. And it, I think it was Andrew Zimmer, the fat guy that does uh-huh. bizarre foods. And he yeah. was trying to do it. And the, the woman just kept going. And, like, he tried it, like, 20 times. He's finally like, I guess I can't do it. So I figure if he can't do it, I got big clumpy hands, too. I probably can't do it either. But I wanted to do vanilla and coffee in a greenhouse, like John was saying, and then get a deal with, like, Raw Brewery and do, like, a coffee vanilla stout brewed in Texas with Texas coffee and vanilla. I gave up that dream. I have. You just need a vanilla partner. That sounds like something Siegler could do. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) He gets off the road. He would figure out how to automate that shit. You need the bug. Whatever the bug was. It's a tiny ass fly that they murdered. Yeah. So there's like no place left where vanilla orchids produce vanilla beans on their own anymore, apparently. Or it's so rare that you can't get enough to do anything with it. Well, maybe. I'm sorry, the habitat for that orchid has been getting impacted too pretty negatively. It'll be like, it'll be like kudzu. They'll bring that fly here and then it'll (laughs) get loose and it'll be some shit like kudzu here. Yeah. Do you guys know about the fly that kills fire ants? No. This is like, it sounds like a sci-fi horror story. In fact, you could make one based on it. So there's Mm -hmm. this little ass fly. It's so small that it's smaller than the fire ant itself and it has a stinger like a bee and it, flies to the fire ant and it stings it in the abdomen. So the skinniest part of the friggin' fire ant. And then it lays an egg when it stings it. And the like egg gestates inside the fire ant. And eventually the egg, when it turns into a little baby maggot, crawls into the fire ant's head and eats its brain from the inside. Nice. And while this is happening, the fire ant starts like freaking out and acting all weird. And like they have nurse ants and they're trying to take care of it and they can't figure out what's wrong. And eventually the fucking head of the fire ant falls off. And then the undertaker ants carry the body and the head just outside and dump it. And then the baby comes out and goes and does it again. And so they literally are propagating their own death. And they live in Brazil where they're from. And this is why you don't have fire ants in every electrical box and every other place in Brazil. And they tried to bring them here to Texas, like John was saying. And they couldn't even get them to live on the border so they gave up. Yeah. But A&M was playing with that. I'm like, yeah, what could go wrong? Y'all already brought one thing that didn't belong here. Let's bring another one and see how that works out. Yeah, fire like, ant. Like the tarantula wasp. Yeah, it's exactly the same, except it's on a mass scale. Like the tarantula yeah. wasp, like one here and one there and one off. These, like, they'll decimate a whole, you know, cabillion fire ants. And, like, that whole nest will end up just abandoned and gone. But you all feel bad for the little bastard, like running around with something eating your brain, no matter what you are. That sounds like a horrible way to go. And then your head falls off. Like, Isn't that like having Alzheimer's? Oh, yeah. And I'm wondering, like, could we make a fly that does that to politicians? Hmm. Yeah, genetic Do we really want that in something. the politicians, though? I don't know. I don't think it could get any worse. <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't there be a difference if their heads fell off? Um, It, it might be... Hard time justifying their vote at that point. Yeah, maybe. Which is not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. You wouldn't make the quorum. Don't make the quorum. The things don't get changed. If you don't change the things, you don't have to unchange the things again. It's actually kind of nice. Seems like every time they try to fix something, they unfix it worse. They unfix it worse. Like healthcare. 
<laughs> There's got to be a shirt in that for you, John. They unfix it worse. They do. Yeah. It's just, just do nothing, man. Do nothing should be a thing. I'm still telling you, you need a monetized troll shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're the master of monetizing trolls. I think Adam Curry made one after I said it during our interview. So he's done awesome. ripped us off, but I told him it was okay. We don't mind. Right on. Monetizing yeah. trolls. I ain't done a troll sale in a while. You should do it. I've scared all the trolls away. They don't come back anymore, except for the supposed special ops guy that threatened to beat me up because I was a tool of Putin. That's the only one I've had recently. Did he come beat you up? No. He just no. threatened to beat you up? Yeah. He's going to introduce yeah. me some that. He's going to come to Free State when I speak there and talk to me about it. So that's about, a real good place to, to come. Beat you up there? A, yeah, that's a real good place to come with a pro-war attitude, Free State Project. That'll be that'll yeah, go that will, like a, float like a lead balloon. Go ahead, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, now, I'm just going to say I'm old. I have a lot of injuries, and I don't roll around on the ground anymore. So, you know, <laughs> you can do the math from there what happens if you try to assault me. Right. Okay. Here's, here's a softball question for you, Jack. How to manage hygiene and sanitation during a crisis. Poop in a bucket full of wood chips. Make sure you have lots of clean water and food on hand. That'll solve 90% of your problems right there. Yep. Wash your yep. hands. The, the number food. one reason that people die of illnesses and disasters in the third world is not the disaster. It's the diarrhea that comes after it. Keep the poop away from your water supply. Keep the poop away from your water and have clean water and good food. Because if you give a person that's about to die of dehydration a choice between drinking contaminated water and and dying of dehydration, they'll drink the contaminated water every single time. Every single time. Shit, they drink salt water if they have to. Yeah. Yeah, they'll kill you. But you still, like, there's a point where the mind is just, I got to have water, right? Like, it's going to happen. Or you don't, and then you die of dehydration. So you get to pick how you die. So clean water, good food supply, and then figure out what to do with your waste, both your bodily waste and your, you know, your garbage. The thing is, during that kind of a down, you know, you're not going to have a lot of garbage. Nothing's coming prepackaged anymore. You're going to wish you had garbage. You're going to figure out how to use every bit of garbage. You're going to be opening shit up you haven't, you haven't ever opened in a decade to use it for other things. Yeah, you know all the freakins and shit, dumpster divers and all? Like, okay, I'm going to explain something to people that think if I have to do that, I'll do that. No, you won't because if we get to that point, you're not going to have any food in there. Yeah. I've served in the third world. There is no food in the garbage in the third world. There isn't. Put it again. I'm not saying there's only a little bit. I'm saying there is nothing edible in the garbage in the third world. Zero. Nobody throws any food away. If it's something people don't eat, it gets composted or goes to a dog or something like that. Chickens. Yeah, chickens, whatever. It does. There's no food thrown away in rural Honduras. I promise you. I've been there. I've seen it with my own eyes. And if you don't think it can happen here, there was somebody that said something like, the, like it can't happen here. Our famous last words, or something like that. Like, yeah. Whenever somebody starts saying that, you better expect that it will. Or when they start telegraphing that punch. Yeah. Yeah. Your cyber attack is on the way. Yeah. That that's a whole nother ball of wax. The cyber attack. Well, it's a different it's a different animal. When like when you have something happen like that. The rules, it all changes, right? Because the tax man's not coming to knock on the door. 
Nobody's paying the banker, so the banker's not coming. So we're all on a level playing field. Society's held together right now just because people perceive that society is held together because good people have fear of repercussions for doing bad things. Yeah. The bad guys still do it, and you can see it happening and, and ramping up. The bad guys are more bolden. They're, they're out in the middle of the daylight. You're seeing a ton of ring camera footage of people being attacked going into their homes in their front yards. And they're, they're just coming out in masses. They come in like a NASCAR pit crew and steal catalytic converters right out of shopping lot parking lots. And there's, vi- there's video footage everywhere. And they're not even trying to hide their faces anymore. Or they're taking all in a bucket and they knock three holes in a gas tank and throw the bucket underneath it. Like that's happening all the time too. And you got to have some balls to do that because there is a possibility of getting shot. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of video of that happen around here right now. Um, but I do see it happening in a lot of places that it didn't happen a year ago. And, and it's, it's like a virus and it spreads. But that's there's at another, $4 a gallon, right? That's at $4 a gallon. What's it look what like? It happens more eight. eight. Yeah. Do you know about the switch pump thing? It's a like low tech, easy way to steal gas that's happening. No. So you go to the gas station and you take the regular pump nozzle from one side and flip it to the other. And then you flip it back around like that. So you got cars pulling on both sides and you flip the pump handles. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you shit. wait for somebody to pull in and they stick their card in, right? And to pay. And then you start pumping their gas. How long? And then you just drive away. Like that's it? happening. That's a new scam. How but do you I notice that? Before the guy realizes it. Yeah. 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 Well, what's happening is they'll, they'll, they'll pay for like five bucks. Yeah. Right, so and then you take off, and then it shuts off, and he's in there bitching at the guy for the store or whatever. And by the time they figure out what's going on, dude's done, filled his tank and left. Well, that's a different caliber of person as well. Yeah, the person who who buys that's a little smarter, sneakier, lower risk criminal. He can just say, and the thing is, there's a plausible out. I, I, I don't know. Somebody else must have done it before I got here, and I, I didn't. I just locked the thing and it felt like he can, you, there's, you'd have to have video footage of him doing that. And apparently what they're doing, they're having their boy come do it and then they pull in. So you say, I didn't know. And it would be almost impossible to get a conviction. And then what are you going to get? Petty theft? I just, yeah, I well, just, the gas station for me is like the Serengeti waterhole. I just assume something's going to eat me. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm always, I'm always aware of what's going on at the gas station. Well, there's yeah. always some fuckery going on there, basically. Always, always. When I come into the city and I go to a gas station, I, it's interesting when I'm riding and not driving. Yeah. Because I'll sit in the car and I'll watch yeah. the traffic in and out of that place. People who are it's like yeah, the people of Walmart looking there's to score. Video. Yeah. A lot of baby. It's better than people of Walmart. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's holding back. Total violence, though, isn't just those good people afraid of doing bad things or whatever, afraid bad things will happen to them. It's a opium addiction, right? There's a whole group of pissed off motherfuckers on the right that they really believe that they can change things by voting and things like that. And it looks like a lot of what's being done that's bad for America is designed to piss them off, like group, like Disney pushing pedophilia and transgendered in kids, like, cause if you want to be an adult and walk around in a dress or whatever, I don't give two shits. But no, see, my thing is no kindergarten teacher should be talking about sex to a kindergarten child 
gay, straight, otherwise. That's not, and then saying don't tell your parents. You talk to my five-year-old granddaughter about sex and say don't tell daddy and mommy. I'm going to bury you with a backhoe. Okay, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to discuss it with you. Two dudes are going to pull up in a van and pull you into it and bring you to me. I'm going to have the hole dug already. We're going to put you in the hole. I'm going to very slowly fill the hole while you gasp for air, and I'm going to pack it down, and I'm going to go on with my life. Now, I'm that guy. I'll do that if I have to. That's why my grandkids are homeschooled right there, because I don't want to have to do that. But there's a lot of people that feel that way. And they have this pent-up frustration, and they think the orange man's going to come back and fix it or whatever. And I call it the hopium addiction, right? We're going to have a convention of the states. And Nicole, you've been in the liberty movement a long time. How long is <laughs> convention of the fucking states, right? Ever like, since forever. I joined it, like 16 years ago. Have you ever seen ago. one? So I'm wondering what happens when you cut the addict off of the drug that is hopium. And at some point, all this pent-up shit on the right, they go... You know what? Hopium's not. Try to smoke it. It's not working anymore. And it's the same thing as any addict when they're cut off with their supply. They get violent. And again, I'm back to, I hate to sound conspiratorial, but is that a plan? Because I think they want a civil war in this country. Because what is better for cracking down than a civil war? Look at how they responded to basically property damage from January 6th. It's worse than yeah. 9-11. Freaking Pearl Harbor Day and freaking death penalty time. Yeah, they got people in jail for a year with no a due year. process. And it, so, what happens if you actually have something like that really happen all over? Then you just send in the troops, you send in the the, the Nazis, the fascist shock troops, the jackboot thugs, and you can do anything you want at that point in the name of restoring order. So, do you think? So, you think they're looking for violence? Because I, I am think of, they are. I am of the belief. Nothing's changing without violence. The vote doesn't yeah. matter. You can you can put yourself into your little piece of your property and pretend all the shit's not going on around you. Yeah. And all of a sudden they they annex you and then you got to move again. You're going to run out of places to move. Yeah. So once they wake these motherfuckers up who know how to bring violence, what they're not counting on or maybe they are counting on it because they're they're building bunkers and they're building fences around cities and they, like they know they've done enough bad shit to civilization in the last two years that they're gonna they're gonna bring those guillotines out. Where are those Where are those stainless steel guillotines the Obama administration bought? Wasn't there eighteen thousand of those things? They're gonna get used on somebody. It's not us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to think about the other side of it though. So let's say that you and I were gonna fight in an MMA fight, and and I'm a good boxer and you're good on the ground. Right. What's your trainer going to tell you to do? They're going to tell you to bait Jack into taking it to a ground fight so you can fuck me up because you're good at the ground game and I'm good at boxing. And you don't want to sit back and have me tagging you in a boxing match. You want to go play to your strength. The greatest strength that the state has is violence. The state is the master of violence and the state has more apparatus for violence and more capacity for violence and an unlimited budget for violence. So we can think that if it goes to violence that we can win, and maybe we can. But it, it play, that, that's me betting that even though I suck at the ground and you don't, right. that this time I actually know how to take you to the ground. Or that when we're on the ground, I'm actually going to tag your fucking ass, and I figured out how to do that. And I don't know, I don't know what happens there, because this belief that like U.S. troops won't fire on U.S. citizens is bullshit. 
I see people putting out memes and like the drill stars say, remember your oath to the Constitution. I never heard that shit once when I was in the military, not one fucking time. I had one drill sergeant one time stick up for protesters. That was the closest thing that I, it was right as Gulf War was getting ready to kick off and there were a bunch of protesters outside the base and we're like leaving the base and going back to it. So we were doing a field exercise and these people were chanting and shit and holding up their signs and we all started yelling at them out of the bus and shit and the drill sergeant was like, shut the fuck up. If you don't let them say what they have to say, then what you're doing doesn't mean shit. And we all just kind of sat down. That was the only experience like that I had in the entire time I was in the military. So, and that dude was, that dude was a special guy. He was not your typical, you know, senior NCO. He was exceptional. All your, all your prepper guys, right? All your, your doomsday prepper guys. They've, they've got this wet dream of, you know, they're going to get in this gunfight with this motorcycle horde that comes through and, you know, they're going to use, they're going to shoot their ARs or whatever. They're not taking into consideration what mortar fire looks like. Yeah. Or down yeah. on a striker or a 240 or a 249, right? But on the other side of that coin, it's like Scully likes to say, you know, everybody's worried about the National Guard coming and locking them down. If some shit happens, they're going to be protecting the, you know, they're going to be protecting government. They're not going to yeah. be out here. They're going to take all of our National Guard and send them to the city. So we're yeah. good. We're yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that because look how many troops they put around the freaking Capitol building. Yeah, it's like it's like Jeff says. Twenty thousand to protect you, five hundred clowns, right? Like, yeah. Scully says about the conspiracy theory. He says we know John. We know the guys that do the conspiracy kind of shit, and and the government can't orchestrate fucking anything on any given day. He goes, you know what that looks like. So, who knows, man. You know, Jason oh. here says the only time the oath ever came up for him is when he when he joined. I, I never had one time a class or anything like that as a soldier that explained to me what my oath meant. I mean, I think I knew better than most, but I don't think most people did. It was just something you said when you joined because they told you to. Not only that, look at all the look at all the the old school law enforcement guys that would have upheld the oath, right? The old school. Military dudes that had been in there would have upheld the even seals, right? What is there? Four hundred seals right now just had some lawsuit, and it was just in the higher courts. The court said that doesn't apply to you guys. You join the military. You don't get religious exemption. So you've got yeah. four hundred seals that are they're still pushing this fucking shot stuff, even though the municipalities have all came out and go, well, we we're losing too many people. So look at Chicago, right? They pushed all those cops out in Chicago who wouldn't take the shot. Who do you think she just fucking hired? People well, and do whatever she wants them to do. If they bring the fight to the city, they can win a lot easier than if they push it out to more rural areas. Because when they come out here, they've got to deal with terrain, people knowing where things are better than they do, and all of those things. Chiggers, snakes, all of it. It's out here, and there's not a lot of density. So you're putting a lot of effort in, what, for... 15 people, 20 people in an area yeah. in the city, you got that density. You want to control it. And, and, you know, a mortar makes a much bigger impact there. So have you had, have you had, have you had drones over your place, Nicole? No, we got drones flying around. Wow. Amanda's, Amanda's got video of, of big fucking drones. Like we, we had little birds. We had six little birds fly over the building like I've never, I haven't seen that in 15 years of living here. Now, I mean, we got Fort Campbell here and shit, so that's possible. But I've got a lot of people like, hey, drones. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. And they're like, no, this is a fucking drone. Here's a picture of it. Here's a video of it. So 
and they can control them from anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're killing people overseas with drones controlled out of Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And because you have video game kids who have never had a detachment to actual combat and that's not their people. They're not killing their peers in their eyes. They're not killing anybody in their eyes. They're just playing right. a game, you know, right. and I, you know, it could be drones. I don't, I've not seen any drones, but I've got F-35s over my house on a daily basis. If they want to yeah. take pictures, I'm sure that that's not hard to do. Right. I mean, and that's probably the whole damn area because we have Lockheed down here. And what it is is they're doing all the upgrades, maintenance, et cetera. They have all these retired Air Force guys that are flying the planes as test pilots to put them through their bases. And I don't think it's very hard to take a few pictures while you're doing that. And I mean, they're over here every damn day. Right. So who knows what the hell they're doing. Somebody on live feed last night was saying the municipalities are hiring drone companies to come over and they just video everybody in their, in their area so they can assess taxes. Oh yeah. So much more money on that tax. It doesn't cost anything to hire that company. It's, you know, a fraction of a percent. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 tax increase on my property just paid for that guy to fly that drone for a day, and yeah. then everybody else is gravy, you know. Well, drone companies would be smart to do it for free in exchange for a percentage of increase. True. Yeah, that's what I would do. I've, I I've got friends who who will offer to go through a city budget or a county budget, find waste in exchange for half. Yeah. That, that one year, and and they'll take them up on it because it doesn't cost them anything, and they end up. Cutting yeah. double expenditures and that sort of thing. But most of that is just money laundering within the city. Most of that, you know, yeah. that money is going back to somebody who doesn't want that shit found. You know, yeah. the, the red light cameras, the average cost for a municipality to implement, because I sell uh, hard computer hardware, so I know this. The average yeah. cost to implement that in an average size municipality is $9 million. It has an 18-month payback. Mm. And it's just, then it's just, hey, you know, it, it's safety. Right. And it's safety. My it, ass. it pays back a lot slower when your state redesigns their license plate and it can't be read by those things, though. <laughs> which did happen here. Well, and they have the little screens that fuck the cameras up. Yeah. Right? A lot of places yeah. say they're illegal. The camera blocking. Yeah, screen? You, no, you well that, too. But a lot of places say that they can't use those traffic cameras. anymore. Oh, yeah, that's happening. That happened to two to, to cities here. And the cities are like, well, we spent the money. And the judge was like, well, maybe you should see if you can get your ass a refund then because, no, you can't do that. Um, What they did to get around it here was the technicality under Texas Constitution. You have to be able to be confronted with your accuser. So they put a cop sits in a a chair all day long. (laughs) And when it goes off that it's a violation, he rewinds it, looks at it, and signs off on every single one of them. And if you go to court now and contest it, they send him in just like a cop shows up for a traffic ticket if you contest the ticket. Uh, and most of the time, they don't even bother. Like, if you contest it, you get away with it, and they just know that most people won't. And then they so, don't even – they don't issue a warrant for you if you don't pay it. They just put a flag on you when you try to renew your tags. You can't renew your tags until you pay it. So my wife got a, a traffic light ticket for California a few years ago, and the only problem is the Ford Explorer – had been here in Tennessee for over a decade and hadn't run. Oh, I got you. But I mean, like, it's, it's just crazy that they'll, they'll send that out. So somebody's used recycling those numbers. Something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, and here's what's happening now. Finally, you know, mainstream media is starting to talk about this, the, the fringe of it mainstream, like Tucker Carlson with 5G. 
all the 5G lunacy about it was causing the COVIDs or whatever, and you know it makes you sick and gives you cancer of the ass or whatever. And I always said this: this is being trumped up by the government. They're actually aiding and abetting the conspiracy theorists on this, so that anybody that opposes 5G can be lumped in with them like flat earthers or some shit. Because you're afraid of the signal itself, you're afraid of sunlight. It is literally the same thing. I'm sorry, it's my industry. It's where I come from, but. It is enabling the surveillance state on a level like nothing in the history of mankind. You will literally be able to track everything at the same time everywhere. This is how we're going to end up with autonomous vehicles because you're going to have all the, the cars are not going to sense the other cars. The cars are going to all talk to each other. This is where I am. This is how fast I'm moving. This is what I'm seeing. Simultaneous communication like freaking Terminator basically, you know, And and so how is your car going to go somewhere if they don't know where your car's going when the car has to tell all the other cars where it's going? That's what's that's what's coming with 5G and they're finally starting to talk about it and it won't matter and you'll see the next malicious campaign will be anybody that mentions it, right, is a conspiracy theorist and they believe that you're going to get, you know, rat ass cancer or something. Right. But it is absolutely for the purpose of tracking every single person everywhere they go. The next thing's the mileage tax. I've been saying that for 10 years that that's coming. They're going to tax by the mile. All these new hybrid vehicles and shit they're going to have out. They're going to, you're going to get taxed by the mile because there's going to be very little gas usage compared to the total in the past, right? And then if I can track you to, to tax you by the mile, if I can track you so your car doesn't crash into another car or kill somebody, I track everywhere you go. That data is going to be made available in the healthcare system. And gee, John parks at the freaking Liquor store three times a week. His health insurance needs to go up. Like yeah. all that shit's coming. All that. John shit. needs to buy more liquor at once and go there less often. Yeah. John, yeah. John bought all the liquor he needs for the next 25 years. <laughs> That's true. I bought it still. I've seen it. <laughs> so, so the kill switch is supposed to be every vehicle manufactured within the United States and sold yep. has to have a kill switch by 2030. So you don't pay your child support. Your social credit score is not quite what we want it to be. Shut your vehicle off. It off. And what's, what's, the White House, what's the White House's definition of a domestic terrorist now? It's on the Department of Homeland Security's website, and it is that if I change your mind or say anything to dissuade you from what the government has said. government. Yeah, what the government has said, we are now domestic terrorists. And they've taken that domestic terrorist, they started with terrorist, turned it into domestic terrorist, And it's your, it's your same people. I mean, did they get you to wear a mask? Did they get you to take a vaccine? It, I mean, how many people are still doing that shit? Some people still more, are. More than you'd think. I saw yeah. some double maskers this last, I finally, I left my house last weekend, which is a mistake, but I found, I saw some double maskers. And I'm just thinking, what are, and have you noticed this about the people still masking? The, the person completely lacking self-awareness that is the one that blocks the aisle. Is, it, it wanders aimlessly and is in the way and you can't get around them, they're always mask wearer. You know why? Because they have fucking blinders on. Yeah. When they put the mask on, they put yeah. their head down, almost yeah. out of shame, it seems. But yeah. they're, they're always – I would walk up to dudes with masks on and be like, hey, man, I just want you to know that I'm not mad at you. I hope you're smiling under there. I can't tell because you're yeah. wearing that thing, but I want you to know that it's okay. And they would always kind of like you could see their eyes light up and they would smile. They would look up and make eye contact. But I got run into with people with shopping carts and people coming around the corner 
literally more in the last two years than the entire rest of my life. And as, as you said, not going, you went out in public, you know, after a couple of weeks or whatever. I think it's very important for us to go out in public because there's times I was saying that the other night, I realized, you know, I'll go two weeks and not leave this property. Yeah. I'll go a whole entire week, not leave the property. You need to go out. I tell people all the time, I go, if you want to see what normal citizens are, the normal people, not the people you and I face to face with, not the people we interact with because we all have a common interest, the real normal society, you go during business hours to Walmart and see who's not at work during business hours at Walmart. It's footy pajamas. It's dirty diapers out in the handicapped parking spaces. Yeah. That is the normal society. Those are the people who somehow are able to go and survive and buy things even though they don't earn any income. Yeah. It's worse yeah. than people think. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Everybody thinks it's like, you know, you talk about dirty divers in the parking lot and all. It's all the, the, you know, kind of redneck trailer trash or something doing that. When it comes to the masking, the more affluent the area, the higher yeah, the number is. of masked hearts. Like, yeah. That's what I've noticed. Like we and, went over to my niece and nephews a couple of weeks ago and they live in a kind of artsy fartsy area. And so we stopped at an Albertsons or a Kroger's, whatever the hell my wife said to stop it. I'd say, 15% were masked, which is insane here because we haven't had a mask mandate since the very beginning. But that's virtue signaling. That's that's your Mercedes soccer mom yeah. for the most yeah. part. That's an identity thing. Yeah. And, and it's those areas where you see the most snotty masks on the ground instead of yeah. in the garbage, as if it's like a sin to take your mask off and put it in the garbage. Have right you all seen the married door on the way out? But you might get a disease putting it in there. So yeah. They're just on the ground. Have y'all noticed the married couple a lot of times where one's masked and the other one's not? Yeah. I just wonder yes. what the conversation like that yeah. is at home. Like, Yes. Because I know if my wife was wearing a mask, I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what do you <laughs> think you're doing? Like, I'm not. And we go home together in the car together. So, what, first of all, it doesn't work. But then, really, what do you think you're doing at that point? And that's the that's the question I've asked. I try to be as nice as I can because I really want to understand. But like I would, you know, ma- sir, ma'am, whatever. I just want to know what is it that you think you're accomplishing? Right. And they'll get really mad, or they'll tell you, you know, it's going to keep me from getting sick. Well, that's not what the people you're listening to even said. You know, then they get really mad, and it's like, okay, well, I'm just it, it doesn't work. Thirty. Thirty-day reviews. Of of course, people have different work schedules, and and I think you know that that is not what I meant by that. Let me yeah. rephrase that. Yeah. Go during welfare. Go during go during EBT when the EBT. Oh, that too. Day, go then. That's what I'm talking about. No, yeah. First and fifteenth, buddy. Walmart. Yeah. That's a different demographic, and you're right. That's you. I, when I go to Walmart, rarely when I go, but when I go. Especially if I go around the times you're talking, I feel depressed for my country. It's not just the behavior. It's that I look around and everybody's miserable and everybody is physically ill. Now, I don't mean they're on the ground rolling around. I mean, you look at them and go, this person's not healthy. And it's not just obesity. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, a calliope of chronic illness. You just look and you go, this country's dying. We're literally dying on our feet right now. And so that's why I don't go out because I don't want to look at it anymore. I know what's out there. Yeah, you look at the eyes and they're oh, yeah. the purple bags. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. 
It's it like looks like no me on a hangover. Yeah. Like but no all spoiler. the time. But all the time. And they're bigger than you on a hangover. Right? Yeah. And they're purple. Yeah. It's like, it's like there's no soul in there. There's not. Yeah. Like it's, and, you, no, that's it. John, you just hit it. It's like there's nothing inside. It's this shell of a human. And the, and the shopping cart is full of like Twinkies and shit. And you yeah, just it's all, it's all plastic. It's two liter bottles. It's six yeah. packs hanging over the side. Yeah. We're going to, and, and when it use when it, and everything's self checkout. Now I like, I like the self checkout because I don't have to interact with humans. Hey, how's your day today? Well, I'm here. Yeah. I, I can make it so you're not here. I mean, would you like <laughs> to not be here? Self checkout has changed, but that was typically the, they're going to pay with five different methods. Yeah. And they'll have $400 worth of sugar and plastic. Yeah. You know, Sam's Club allows you to GPS locate yourself and share that information with them, and then you scan and go. So, so, uh, so yesterday have- I was there, and I allowed them to know where I was in their store, basically used their app, and every time I put something in my cart, I just scanned it. Yes. I didn't have to talk to anybody. We, use that. we use that at Sam's Club. Yeah. Costco has it. We've never had it work at Costco. And I heard Walmart had it, but we haven't ever seen it to work yeah. at Walmart. But we use it every time we go to Sam's Club. We use that app. Amanda has it on her phone. Yeah. And and I'm giving up privacy for that when I do it. it I think we're foolish to think that if we didn't give it up, they, they're not doing it anyways. Oh, sure they are. Sure they are. Yeah. Bobby Joe says sometimes it's even special K and bananas. Americans have been lied to as to what's healthy. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. So you got the people that are willfully destroying their bodies. And you got a lot of people that are following the government pyramid or whatever, the plate now. They spent $9 million to turn a pyramid into a plate. Um, and, and they're, they're sick too. The number one growth industry in urban areas right now is dialysis clinics. If you do it by, yeah. by yeah. percentile of growth and the number one cause of dialysis need today, like new dialysis, like in addition to what we had in the past is freaking type two diabetes. But how can that be possible? Because it's sugar-free, Jack. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they've got you've got a hundred types of sugar that they can legally write on the box, sugar-free. Yeah. Or no added sugar. Yeah. Right. So I make apple juice, which is more sugar than Coca-Cola, and you put it in a bottle and give it to your baby. Well, they give it to you, and on it a says Wick. no added sugar, so you think it's healthy. Yeah, it's part of Wick. You know, and and it's apple no itself has some sugar in it, but you can only eat so much apple and only so much sugar. We juice an apple. It's like you ate 15 apples with zero fiber to counterbalance. It's it's a pure sugar. The other thing they can do, they can actually concentrate the apple juice by evaporating some of the water, increase the sugar content, so it's more sugar per ounce, but they still say no sugar added. It's totally legal, and technically it's correct. Yeah, like evaporated milk. So yeah. yesterday I was talking with my dad. He has arthritis. He gave up all sugar, and it's feeling a lot better. And I said, Dad, you know what else you can do? Now give up grains on top yeah. of it. And see, tell me how you feel in like a month. I don't yeah. know if he'll do it, but I just thought, you know, I know when I have wheat, which is rare, I get aches in my foot, in my knee, like bad. This is what I say to anybody that says grain is human food. Really? Go get yourself a handful of it and fucking eat it. If it's human food, don't grind it. Don't turn it into bread. Don't mix it with eggs. Don't soak it in hot water for 48 fucking hours. Don't do any of that shit. Go, go, go out of wheat field, pull the heads off the wheat and fucking eat it. 
Don't actually do it because you will fucking die. You will choke to death. And I'll even say if you really want to, go get some out of a grain bag that's been threshed and try to eat it. Good luck with that. And then what even makes it worse? It'll come back out exactly as it went in if you do that. You'll break your teeth and you'll get sick and you'll wretch and vomit. That's what you'll do. Right. So we know wheat is toxic. We've always known wheat is toxic. And that's why 150 years ago, there were actually regulations to the wheat that humans could eat and how it had to be harvested. It had to be over a certain percent of protein because that naturally meant there was less gluten in it. And it had to be harvested and they used to do the sheaves and they stacked it in the field and it had to sit there for a specific number of days because you got a natural composting and it raised the temperature and it did a conversion in the grain. And if you didn't do all those things, that grain could only, this is as late as like 1920s. That grain could only be sold as animal feed. And it was around World War One and food shortages and we need and the school lunch programs and all that shit came in because all these young men showed up for draft for World War One and they were like, not fit for duty, not fit for duty, not fit for duty because they're freaking starving to death. And like, oh, we need more food. So they laxed that regulation. Mechanization came in. We learned how to pour acid on rocks and make freaking fertilizer. Green Revolution took over. And all that shit went out the window. So even when we lived on grain in the past, there were very tight, specific regs as to how you harvested it. That was around the time of the iodine thing, too, where people were showing up to service, but they had goiters and things. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. put iodine and salt to cover the... the iodine and salt, vitamin D and milk for rickets, like all that shit that was going on back then was because we were eating a plant-based diet. And people are going back to iodine deficient now because they're eating sea salt and other non-iodized salts. They're, they're having this problem again and having to supplement. Josh well, if you ate real sea salt, yeah. you wouldn't. But if you eat refined sea salt, they take the iodine out of it. Right. So you see what we do? We take the iodine out of the salt, salt, and then we've got to put the iodine back in the salt before you eat it. Just like antibiotic, antibiotic-free chicken. Like, I don't, none of my chickens have ever had any antibiotics. I gave it to a chicken one time years ago, and I did not eat that chicken. Yeah, it's because we're putting a million chickens in a a house together. Yeah. Well, what they do to say it's antibiotic-free, they they literally inoculate the egg before it hatches Mm -hmm. with antibiotics. And since the chicken only lives like six weeks, it carries through and, and saves enough of them to make the operation profitable. When we order chickens, it's on there. Do you want these? Do you want antibiotics or do you want them non-vaccinated? And you just you, yeah, they'll do it. You pay extra for it. Yeah. So we've not seen any meat birds here yet. No? I thought I saw. I thought I saw some Cornish cross four or five weeks ago at a tractor supply, and we have not seen any. And I've actively gone every week and looked for them. That's interesting. I didn't they even think of They had them at my tractor supply, but they come in Monday and by noon they're gone. gone. So ours come in, ours come in Tuesday. Yeah. But I found a place. I, it, it, and because I literally had this conversation. Yeah. Last night it popped up in, in Facebook, a, a link and there's a, a poultry place in Pennsylvania has them 96 cents a bird. That's pretty high actually. In I'm paying $3 for mine, Jack. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm done with meat birds. I'm more of the breed, the heavy breed rooster to the opposite heavy breed hen and make your own hybrids. And, but yeah, John, you bring something up. Like, so I, one of the reasons I had to leave, I got that feed trough. If you saw my video, that's expanding my system. Right. And so I went to tractor supply and I I wasn't even thinking about that, but I just looked, well, what do they have? Cause I want some goslings again. 
and I just wanted to see if they had them. And they had tons of pullets and sex links and mixed, you know, whatevers. And now you say that there wasn't a cornice cross there. And there wasn't even, you know, they put the little signs on the stock. They put them in stock tanks, right? There wasn't even a sign for them like they had been there, now that you say that. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. McMire or McMurray hatchery just got shut down. For what? What? That's no, somebody just said. For the, for the, the I'm asking the person milk, milk money. <laughs> McMire wow. hatchery just got shut down for AI. Is that, I don't know if it's that or McMurray. I don't know McMire. So somebody says McMurray's big. McMurray's yeah. well, and they have they have multiple hatcheries. They have one in Memphis now. Cornish Cross are nasty. They are, but I yeah. I put them fifty to a tractor. My tractors are ten by ten. Nothing wrong with them. We drag them. We drag them every day. And just as important as them being out there and moving is they're tearing up and shitting on the ground. I have yeah. rabbits in tractors right now, and when I fly the drone over. In 30 days, you can see an enormous difference. You can see every rectangle where those things were because they're five shades of green brighter where the grass is growing. Apparently, it was McMurray. I wonder which one of theirs got shut down. Interesting. Because you can buy on there. I'm on their site right now, and they're open for orders. So Yeah. 150 meat birds coming next week. A little concerned about bird flu exterminations. I mean, it is what it is. If If your birds don't show up, then they don't show up and you got to do something else. And think, if your birds don't show up and they get back up and running, your birds will show up later. That's what I think happen. what he means is he's concerned about the birds on his property. Oh, and government coming and knocking on and going, Hey, we need to test these birds. And they say they're running a PCR test and we know the PCR test can just be, it's, it seems like it's a rheostat almost. We just turn the cycle rate up and we get it. It's like, it's like a canine officer. Canine officer rolls up to the car they can make the dog alert whether there's anything there or not. Yeah, you want to see Charlie get up on a car, I can show you that. It does, he doesn't know anything about drugs, but I can make him get up on that. I can just go up, and he'll do it. That's how I view the PCR test. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. I think we overestimate the confidence of government. So if you're running a fairly decent-sized commercial farm, maybe. If you're a homesteader and you order 25 damn birds from McMurray Hatchery, John order even 150, if you're not marketing yourself as a supplier, the odds that you're going to see somebody show up to test your birds are, I'm not saying impossible, but they're so low. It's the last thing I would worry about and whether or not I bring birds onto my property. Now, it does make a good case for learning how to incubate and doing the cross Mm -hmm. and making your own. Yeah, we're going um, that direction by the end of the year. That's like I said. With uh, the only problem I have with these bantams is they're so damn little. But what? man, the cold birds are the flavor. Now you're not going to be making you know sautéed stir fry with them because they're a much tougher bird. But damn, the, the, the coca vin, man, you guys got to make coca vin. You got to have an older bird for it because when you slow cook it, if it's a young bird, it gets It'll too fall apart. apart. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like half. It's like half is consistency of like good steak. When you slow cook an older bird, it's delicious. You got to start making them, man. Delicious. Thirty day review asked if um, tractoring quail. I think that's what he was. Yeah, talking. he meant quail. Do I? I thought quail don't do as well in a large cage. Uh, Cody, my son, the just myth. got quail, and Lance has a bunch of quail, and they've got. It literally looks like a Fisher Price cage system. It looks like yeah. a toy, right? And yeah. they're plastic, they snap together, and yep. they've just got 
he's got four hens and a and a, a rooster in each little hole, and that's how they that, that I'd heard if the cage was too tall, they'll fly and break their necks. Complete lies, okay. total lies. I've I've had them in big cages. I've ha- I've had them in an aviary. So would it, it be it, beneficial to put them on grass in a tractor? It I've done it. It works. It's a pain in the ass. And the only way you can really do it, you have to have a bottom to that cage that they can peck through because they're so little that when you move it, if, if you don't have that, you're going to crush them. Uh, and since you don't need a big giant tractor like you use with chickens, it's probably going to be a lighter thing that you're dealing with. So a predator will just tip it over. Like when you have a big heavy chicken tractor, maybe something can dig under it, but they can't just tip it over. Um, so we built a cage specifically for this. Uh, unfortunately, the man that used to build them, Steve, passed away last year. But basically what we did was a uh, – it's like PVC-coated uh, wire cage. Mm-hmm. And the bottom has about one-inch square holes so that they can go through. And it worked great. You just got to really be careful with overheating so you have to have shade and since you're a smaller cage, when that sun goes below the top, overhead shade doesn't work. It's it's great, but it's more work than you would think, in my experience. And I think you're better off with an aviary approach. I kept them in the aviary. It worked great. My wife won't eat them, so I'm not doing you, it just You got that. yours high, though, didn't you, on some plants? Hmm? Oh, Did yeah. So, yeah, you got to be <laughs> careful, right? When they eat everything, they'll eat anything that's left. So they were eating, I think it was horse nettle. Yeah. And they did kill themselves, but they were hanging themselves like in between the wire because they were going nuts. And so you'd walk in there. You almost had to be careful you didn't step on them. And when they started eating the horse nettle, you'd walk in there and start freaking the fuck out. And you're like, what's going on? And then I finally realized like the only thing in there that was alive was a horse nettle. I pulled it all out and it stopped and they stopped killing themselves. But aviaries are great for them because then they get to run around and everything. And you can dual purpose the aviary. Put parakeets in there. Freaking parakeets are selling for thirty-five bucks a piece at the pet store. There's a, they'll live outside my climate. And they'll breed. We got a drive-through zoo about an hour from here, and they have a huge walk-through aviary that's full of budgies. Ton, tons and tons of those little parakeets. Um, we've got, I think we got fifty quail here on the property. And anytime I get around a quail guy, Lance and, and Cody, I'm like, you know, they got this other thing. You probably haven't heard of it yet. It's called a chicken. It's a name that you can actually peel. I I just don't get the quail thing. Well, here's the quail, right? So you can do them in those little cages. Now, I think you're basically making a quail CAFO. Yeah. For lack of a better term, but you can do it. So like one guy, this dude named Brad, um, Moon Valley Prepper, I think was his handle on the site. He had a four-stack high quail system in his one-car garage in Detroit. And he produced something like 22,000 eggs a year and like 1,500 coal birds a year out of that one stack. Now, you can't, you can't do that with a chicken. And part of the magic is a quail will start laying at seven weeks. And a quail is really great for processing at six. Right? So you have this very quick turnaround time. And then any laying bird after its first 18 months when it molts, it's going to go through like a six to eight month a week lull in eggs, and it will never produce the way it did the first time, which means it's very easy to just raise your next generation to hit laying straight at the cutoff, right at mm-hmm. the molt of the next one. Then you cull all your old birds and you use them in you know things that you cook a little longer and slower because they're tougher. 
And so you can keep that running where with a chicken, you're at 22 to 24 weeks before you get an egg. And if you're not doing the meat birds, the Cornish cross, you're at like 16-ish weeks before they're really worth processing. And so if that, you want to ramp up food production really quickly because you're worried, you can well, have it easy to maintain this system and, and not take up a lot of space and do quail. That's so you, know, you, take, you make four-inch four inch pipes into stacks for your yeah. feeders, and then you put a water tank up on a shelf, and you plumb that in with a float valve for them, and you can leave for a week, and your quail take care of themselves. So ours are on wheels. I think yeah. we have five five holes across. I think we're six tiers tall. They're and they they're. I mean, it literally looks like a snake rack from. It, it, yeah. it looks like a snake rack, Jack. Yeah. And yeah. just all these wire mesh. It's all plastic. Nothing can rust. Yeah. Cody put a, a little couple hundred dollar greenhouse over it. It's all wrapped in chicken wire to keep the cats out of it. Yeah. And he was out there last night with giant cinder blocks because we had some wind coming. But I mean, and they, they, they poop in these trays. You take yep. the tray. We're, we're setting up a bunch of more concrete blocks because we're going to do a, a compost pile. Yeah. Hotter, you know, with the bird manure in it. And you just dump those in there and yep. it's got five of these trays. And yep. at the end of the day, they got two inches of manure in them. Yep. And how does, how does he process them when he, when he processes them? He hasn't processed. He hasn't done it. So most people use shears. Uh, right. And they, they cut the head off and then they cut the wings off and then they do, then they cut the backbone out and all. So I think Nicole's seen me do this. Maybe, maybe you weren't here the year we did the quail, but I, I can learn, you grab the head pop, heads off, pull a couple feathers off like a dove, a dove in a dove field and you go ploop. And you pull the skin back and you go yank and there's the breast. And it's literally that fast. And then you take the two legs and you go crack, pull, and you snap the feet off. And when they're six, seven weeks old and they're tender, you can do that in about 30 seconds with no tools. So from a meat processing thing, I can go through, you know, 10 birds in three minutes yeah. with no tools. And because you're doing it quickly that way, you, you don't even have anything to clean. There's no blood in the meat, right? I mean, so you pop that breast out, you reach and grab the heart. Like, so you have the heart. You can take the liver and the gizzard if you want to. I, I really don't, but you take the heart out and I save the hearts up and, you know, I kind of miss that. You're making me want to get them again. Yeah. They're freaking delicious. They are delicious. We and are they're little, delicious. We have more of a farm zoo. And what I, what I mean is we <laughs> eat a lot of animals and we grow a lot of animals. Yeah. I look at it as keeping meat on the hoof. They're alive. We can ramp it up if we have to. Yep. But just the time and processing it. Like we just, we have a lot of animals here doing a lot of things and pooping in a lot of places, but we have them more just so that we have them. Yeah. And the eggs, you know, if you let them go about three weeks before you use them, they'll peel because yeah. they evaporate some and you get that little air pocket in them just like chicken eggs. And then the other thing about them is my dogs love them. I sent so you, you know a about raising rabbits for dog food. You just take a handful of raw quail eggs and throw them in a bowl and give them to the dog. They eat them shell and all. They get calcium. They get everything. There's a machine for a few hundred bucks that will actually take those boiled quail eggs and peel them. Yeah. Oh, now I'm getting quail again. <laughs> quail eggs, right? Like that's the, Item of the week, next week. The right highest the and most perfect use of, of, of pickled beets after you eat the beets is the juice to make pickled eggs, purple nurple eggs. And a quail egg in beet juice is like one of God's creations. It's delicious. And somebody, I don't know. Said, somebody said ever try raising pheasants. So I bought two beautiful golden pheasants. And I thought, I'm going to let them go out here with these turkeys, and they're just going to stay here. And we let those motherfuckers out, 
And within within ten seconds, I never saw those birds again. I, oh, they just left. I paid like sixty five dollars for these. Oh things. yeah. Maybe they're still here somewhere. Yeah. Now, it's like that peacock. I, I thought I wanted a peacock, and holy shit, was that a mess? Yeah, they're not a, a good idea. You do they not sound want like a, a like a sick, confused donkey jerking off when they go nuts and they make it yeah yeah like what the neighbor had when we first moved here and dorothy's like what is that i'm like that's a peacock and she goes you know i said i wanted a peacock i'm like yeah she goes i don't (laughs) (laughs) they also poop really big and don't really they poop really big there's some kind that doesn't do all that obnoxiousness and they have them at the it's the it's somewhere it's Denver Zoo maybe I was somewhere at a zoo in Colorado and they're just running around in the zoo and they're completely quiet and they look like an old peacock but I asked the, the zoo lady and she said no they don't make any noise at all but I don't remember what kind they were. So the San Diego Zoo has peacocks everywhere and you'll yeah. be sitting there eating lunch at the tables and the peacocks, peacocks coming up and that's why I thought I wanted them I thought it'd be cool to have peacocks. They get on their cars. <laughs> Every single time I would come to the property, the peacock would be sitting on one of my cars. I don't know if it's because it's black and it's warm. I don't know why, but they were always on a car. I released them with the turkeys because I thought they're similar size. Yeah, yeah, sure. And he was there for about 30 minutes, and then he was down at the front door. It's like a duck just pooping at the front at the front door. The peacock was always shitting on the front door. And always sitting on a car constantly. And then when he, he knew, oh shit, I'm not supposed to be here. And he would scurry off and scratch the shit out of the hood of whatever he was sitting on. Oh, great. Yep. So John has had goats on a Porsche, on the car. peacocks on the car, right? Peacocks on the Range Rover. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's <laughs> no. I thought we wanted a monkey, but I learned from the peacock. We probably don't want a monkey. You don't want a monkey. Want a 100% don't want a monkey. Half the here stuff just gets on my roof. It's fine. Diseases have a monkey in them. You do yeah. not want a monkey. No well, monkey. They just, there's there's some outbreaks in the UK right now of hemorrhagic fever that was confirmed yesterday. Did you hear that? No. no. Wonderful. Yep. yep. Coming to a city near you. <laughs> Coming with a monkey. Did we? I, did you notice the monkey story went away? Remember the monkeys in the truck being transported by the CDC in Pennsylvania? Yes. Yes. And they told the lady, if you have any weird symptoms at all, you know, like, and then it just, you, and I said when that happened, like, you're never going to hear about this ever again. And if that lady gets sick, she's just going to disappear. Where is so, that lady? I don't they, know. I've not heard from her. Didn't they cure Ebola? Didn't, as soon as, as soon as they had some shit going on in Atlanta, didn't they find a cure for Ebola all of a sudden when it hit the United States? Isn't there a vaccine for it? Monkey lady, if you're out there, let us know you're still okay. He's the monkey lady. We're very concerned about the monkey you. lady. The monkey lady's wherever that first nurse is that took the shot on stage and passed out. They say she died right there while you were watching that. Wow. Uh, okay, sure potbelly pigs. Yes. So potbelly pigs are pets, and you can find these pets available on Craigslist because people don't realize that potbelly pigs still pigs still get pretty big. They get pretty big. And I've raised and processed potbelly pigs. You get a very, it's a lard pig. So you get a pretty big fat layer. Um, For a homestead my size, which is 3.2 acres, it makes way more sense than the Duroc that I had here. And I I have an Idaho pasture pig. She's huge. She got out yesterday. Somebody drove up and they're like, hey, your pig's out. And there she was. 
she'll fuck some shit up when she gets out because she just digs and digs and loves to eat it. But the the potbelly pigs were a really good fit here because I could rotate my little pasture and it would grow back. So Yeah, yeah. Well, they were bred as a meat pig. They're originally from Vietnam and the surrounding area, and they were raised like stray dogs, basically. You had your potbelly pigs, they, you'd fare them, they'd have baby pigs, and they'd all go off, and they wouldn't fuck shit up, like you're saying. they they'll run yeah. in and out of the rice paddies and all and, and eat herbage and stuff like that. Yeah, they'll and every once in a while, it's like, that pig, right? And like, that, so that's what they were. And then somebody brought them here and made them into pets. And now the big scam, have you heard of this, Nicole? The micro mini pig. Oh, yeah. yes, I've heard of the that. The micro, the teacup pig. The micro pig, teacup right? pig, yeah. And people sell them on next door here all the time. And I'm always the dick that's like, there is no such thing as a micro mini pig. Just know this before you buy a pig. However, <laughs> if you buy a micro mini pig, when it ceases to be a micro mini pig, okay. and you're looking for a home for it, yeah. I have one, but it's a very short-term home. Because they yeah. are, I, I got to say, two pigs that don't make sense commercially for me, that are delicious for homesteader meat, guinea hogs and potbelly pigs are both just some of the best pork. And you're right, Nicole, you're going to get like half lard and half meat out of it. Yeah, uh, you get a lot of lard on it, which is fine. Um, I had a pork chop where the meat was just this little medallion, like silver dollar size, and it was a two-inch fat ring around it. Chicken nugget pig. Nicole, look what's on. look what's on the screen right now. What about guinea pigs? All right. <laughs> I, I, I was wearing that shirt yesterday. That. <laughs> I have some input on that. Go ahead. Let's hear yours. Um, guinea pigs. This is an inside I've never note. eaten one, but I totally would. I hear they're tasty, and they're very easy to raise. So they're called kavi. Yeah. And we had you international. Can, you can order it online, day. shipped we to your had, door. We had international guinea pig day. Was a sales code we had. We sent out a plastic guinea pig. And it said, not for rectal use. And we put it in a pocket. And when you opened it up, it came with three-page instructions on how to process and cook guinea pigs. But my my thing with guinea pigs is they've got this other thing. You might not have heard of it. It's called a rabbit. I don't know why. Like, yeah, you can go get guinea pigs. They've got these cool hairless ones that look like little hippopotamus and stuff. And they do eat them. It's a Peru thing, I believe. Yeah. Um, But I don't know why you would mess with guinea pigs when – I've got rabbits that live out here. Like we don't ever, we don't warm our rabbits. We don't do anything for them. Their hair gets long in the winter. We keep them in cages. We produce as many as we want. Guinea pigs. I would think it's more like keeping a hamster. Like you have to care for it a little. And I might be very wrong. They're pretty simple. They eat, they eat the same thing. They eat grass and vegetables. You know, the reason they do them in South America and Peru and all is because they're native there. So right. it's like keeping rabbits here, right? And it's also because they have, like, for special meals and all, it's something you can keep in your house. It's something you can keep in a small space. But there's a great video, if I could find it, Bill Mollison explaining how they cook them. The natives cook them in Peru. And they heat, like, two rocks, and they put the skin guinea pig in the middle, and then they smash it like a panini. And it cooks in the heat of the rock. And he's drawing this thing, and it's pretty poorly drawn on a chalkboard. And he says, right in the middle, there's this little white spot. And he makes a little white spot, and he goes, that's its soul. <laughs> right. like, and he's got that thick, you know, Australian accent. That's his soul. And he's like, it's the best part. And he's like, you've got to grow them just so you can eat the soul. Like, And I think he was kind of making light of it. Like, you know, it's what they do. It works. If you're desperate, maybe this is what you do too. But I think it's he's making John's point. Like, there's not a lot there. They're not that big. 
they're, they're much bigger than a hamster. I mean, a, a full-size yeah, guinea pig yeah. is like, like, uh, like half a football. Yeah, we fed them to snakes when we couldn't get rabbits sometimes. Yeah. You know, what the shops had. Somebody said mangalista pigs. So I'd heard mangalista pig is an expensive pig. Um, and it's supposed to have the most usable, um, omega-3 fatty acids in its fat. It's supposed to be one of the healthiest pigs that there is. Mm-hmm. Trisha talked, uh, we had a three hour long conversation about, she knew a lot about those pigs. I imagine they grow slowly like the, uh, pot belly or the AGH. The American guinea hog is very popular among homesteaders as a small pig. And it's the same thing. It has that big fat layer. It's a large yeah. pig. But I think yeah. that's, that's, that's Justin Rhodes is the reason because they were talking about the yeah. American guinea. So, I mean, anything Justin says, the homestead, I mean, you're going to see a, a it goes huge, right in, right? Yeah. Uh, see, I knew about him because Mike Bertrice, but that's, yeah. that's somebody, a whole different somebody story. asked, is a Cooney Cooney the same as a pot belly pig? I'd always heard Vietnamese pot belly pig. Yeah. Yeah. But this here, though, Green Country Agriforce says, I grow mulberry, hazelnut, and pecan, so I get all the squirrels I can eat for free, no maintenance required. I love squirrel. Anybody says they don't like squirrels, as far as I'm concerned, you didn't eat it. So when we bought yeah. this property, there was not a squirrel here for years. We were putting black tar sunflower seed out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The only thing we ever saw eat it was birds. And now, six years later, we have squirrels never in the perimeter. The dogs keep the squirrels out for sure. Yeah. But on the outside, man, we've got tons of squirrels now. If you want more, you can get all the free used tires you want because they have to pay money to get rid of them. And I can't explain it on the air, but just Google how to make a squirrel box with a tire. Okay. There's a way you cut it and you fold it and you, you use rivets to hold it together and you put them up in the tree. They're perfect nesting okay. boxes for squirrels. There's more useless Spearco knowledge. So we're adding a, a, big, a big thing we're going to add this year that we haven't done yet is bat boxes. We're going to put in bat boxes. Bat boxes would be cool. Because we have we have light we have a lot of light posts so we're going to put them yeah. up on the on the light yeah. posts. Yeah. Do you see bats? Because I like never see them around here. That's why I never did it. Oh, so we have oh. big lights, so we have a cloud of flying insects, and the bats are just decimate. And it's cool because you can sit there and literally watch this bat catch this thing in midair, and part of the carcass will just drop to the ground. Oh There'll wow! Be a pile where these things were feeding, and these bats, I mean, they're eating bugs that are the size of hummingbirds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, when I grew up in Pennsylvania, we had bats everywhere. I never see them in Dallas-Fort Worth area. I never see them. So here's well, the, if only here's, you were coming to Tennessee to visit and could see some bats. I am. I'm coming. You are? Yes. Oh. I'm coming so, to Tennessee. Blue Martin birdhouses, right? I always heard they eat their body weight in bugs. If I put in a bunch of Blue Martin birdhouses, are they going to eat the honeybees, and do they eat the uh, dragonflies? I don't know about that. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I've heard they eat dragonflies. I don't know about honeybees. Um, but I'm, one of the things about the Martins is my understanding is like they colonize a place, and if you screw something up, they leave. Mm-hmm. And then no other ones will ever come back to that colony for some reason. It's weird. So I think a bat, you give them a place, they're going to be like, I live here. They're, you're not going to screw that up. We used to have them in Panama, like in the bar and shit. They would get in the roof and all of a sudden it'd be like a bat flying through the freaking saloon. It was like there were billions of them. Yep. That's more useless stuff. But Well, I mean, it's fun to get to the useless trivia part of the day with Jack. Yeah. Bats were decimated by the white-nosed fungus, I hear. I don't know nothing about that. I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, that's 
So it's it it grows on their nose and and makes them die. Basically, we have some in, in our bat colonies here, and whenever they find it in a cave, what they do is shut it off so you can't go in there when the bats are there. Yeah. Uh, because they don't want you if you're spelunking to to carry it from cave to cave to cave. cave. To cave. We, okay. We've had some of that in our area too, but they're trying to control it, I guess. I think people should leave bats alone in general. Yeah. Let don't the mess bats with do bats. bats and you do your thing and let the bats do their the bat box is fine. I don't mean that. I just mean like in general we shouldn't jack around with like a rodent that, that colonizes a place by the billions. That's probably a bad idea. We should leave that alone. Well they're just probably doing are they rodents? They're not rodents, are they? Yeah, yeah. they're rodents. They're bats flying. They're, flying they're basically rodents. flying mice. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever I seen one, one on a head shape? I caught one on a fly rod one time. I was really? casting on this lake <laughs> and the bats were coming by and all of a sudden it's like, oh like I <laughs> So like I like pulled him in until I got to tip it and I took my knife and I'm like he flew away with like a foot of mono. I I'm like I I I, I got a lot of things I'll mess with, but not no. messing with your flying bat. Well, that had to be a, a whole new definition of fly fishing right there. Well, I got to think there's something wrong in the bat brain that can't tell that that's a fake fly. That, yeah. that, that's probably a bat you don't want to touch. Maybe that's a rabid bat. Who knows? Yeah, not doing rabies, not doing hantavirus. Nah. Nope. Leave nope. the bats alone. Yeah, every so often we get a bat here in the screens. Like their in little the hooks get caught and you have to go help them get out of there. I don't think we kind of ran it out if we're down to the bat hole like this. We are totally down to the dingbat time of the of the show. So I do. Can I brag on the website though? That yeah, watched. Check Bring it. Okay, it so Jack is coming to Self Reliance Festival in June, and today we launched selfreliancefestival.com for ticket sales. So formerly it's been at livingfreeintennessee.com, and we decided it's getting so big that there's a lot of information to track. And it would do better as a standalone website. So definitely head over there and check it out. Let me know what we think. We're still tweaking some of the details on here, like we're finding different things. But we built this over the weekend. Um, Liberty Lab, this guy right here, really helped me out. Thanks, Scott. And you can get your tickets there. Uh, obviously, you can send me an email, all of that. Super excited. Selfreliancefestival.com is, is good to go. And rules, because we were talking about that earlier. John, there's some rules about who can and can't come. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't bring your animals here. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care what they are. Don't bring your animals here. Yeah. We've given one exception to that for a presenter. And and don't bring your children. Like if you have to ask me if you can bring your kids, your kids can't come. And the price is per per person, not per yeah. vehicle. It is yeah. per she person, not with. per vehicle. Yes. It is hard to find a two-day event that is this price. Jack, could you do a two-day event for $60? I wouldn't do it. Right. I don't know how y'all are doing it. I wouldn't do it. Mine's three days and 600 bucks. Jack, do you want to sponsor an event? That's how we're doing it. Okay. We're depending <laughs> on sponsors to help augment that. It, co- it takes a lot of time to put these together. And y'all um, aren't really like, feeding people three times a day either, are you? No, you're buying your own food there. And okay. camping is included. You can camp on the on yeah. the whole on the site. So because my two big expenses, well, three are staff, food, and porta johns. That's that's my three big expenses. Because I'm a hundred Yeah. The porta johns, you can sponsor a porta john. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that John Willis is not gonna allow 
karaoke at Self-Reliance Festival? Mm, probably not. Not at 2.30 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. Anybody want to say anything before we wrap up? I'm good. You know where to find us all, John? What do yeah. You I do a live video every night at 9 o'clock on YouTube. It goes 30 minutes to two hours just depending on the conversation, and the conversation is all driven by whatever you guys type out. So sometimes you'll catch me with a lot more energy, and sometimes you'll catch me with less energy. So join in. We show what we make every day, and our stuff typically sells out in about five minutes once we show it. Like for the most part, we don't have anything to sell anymore because it sells that quickly. So if you ever want to see the stuff that we do have, that's the place to see it. You get to see it the night before, before it comes up for sale. And we'll have a, we have a conversation about whatever you guys want to talk about. So join in. And that's about, that's it. And, and if you'd like to listen to podcasts, I did one on Monday about getting ready for food shortages without panicking. I'm going to do another one. I have interviewed some people who lived through the inflationary time of the 70s about what worked for them and what didn't work. And it is my mother and father, but they also, we also had my grandparents at retirement age who lost about 25% of their wealth in, in a month in the bank. So going to be telling those stories because I think we can learn lessons from that for right now. And I think that's important. You should interview that 93-year-old man that was here last year. Yeah. That's that's a good point. All right. Have a good one, everybody. See you guys. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. 